It's time for InsureTalk with insurance industry tech geek and Guidewire chief evangelist, Laura Drabik. In this podcast series, we don't just talk about innovative ideas in PNC insurance. We talk with industry trailblazers about the big ideas they made happen and how they did it. If you're looking for insights on the trends and technologies reshaping the industry, an all-new InsureTalk starts now. Welcome to InsureTalk. My name is Laura Drabik and I'm the Chief Evangelist at Guidewire. In this episode, I have the privilege of interviewing Partha Srinivasa, CIO of Erie Insurance. Partha has over two decades of experience as a C-suite leader in the insurance industry. And the industry has recognized Partha for his digital and data prowess by presenting him with multiple transformation awards, including an impact award for best transformation. Partha and I will be discussing all things claims related, including Erie's journey to cloud. Hello, Partha. Thank you for joining my podcast. Hey, Laura. Thank you. I'm looking forward to the conversation today. Tell our listeners a little bit about Erie Insurance and what gets you fired up every day to work in this wonderful industry. Thank you, Laura. Erie is one of the largest insurers in the U.S. It's a $9 billion company. We have over 6.3 million policyholders, over 13,500 agents who support us and work with us. We are a Fortune 500 company, 12th largest auto insurer and home insurer in the U.S. You know, as a matter of fact, Forbes ranks as one of the best insurance company too. One thing which I'm very proud about my association with Erie has been our founding principle is all about providing our policyholder with as near perfect protection and as near perfect service as it's humanly possible and to do so at the lowest possible cost. It's all about all in service. We are very proud to say that we have been recognized by JD Powers as number one, both in agent satisfaction and also in the claim satisfaction on the property space. So I'm very proud to be part of this company. Congrats. Congratulations on the recognition from J.D. Powers. That is really well-earned. So Partha, one of the challenges facing insurers in 2023 is from inflationary pressure. As you know, it increases claims costs due to more expensive supply costs. It's difficult to pass that increased cost onto the policyholder in the form of increased premiums because they don't have the disposable income to cover that this year. So what is the top industry challenge facing us in 2023? And how do we address it? I think the biggest challenge in the industry certainly is the pressure of inflation. And I think every insurance company has a pinch of it today. And that's being seen in their combined ratios. But that's not the only challenge we face. Mother nature has not been that helpful this year. We have seen increased catastrophe. What we're also dealing with is we have seen a lot of change in the customer preferences. People want more digital, more personalization, and etc. And with many insurance companies still dealing with their legacy, it's tough to do when your customer needs are changing. And I think we call this basically the 550 phenomena. What used to take 50 years for a change, now it's happening in five years. And I even say that it's going to speed up even more into 50, five, and one, from five to one year. And that basically means we all have to embrace change. The other two things are basically on talent. Last year, most of the companies were talking about war for talent, hiring people. We didn't have enough people. And with ever-evolving change in the skills that need, I would still say the talent continues to be one of the challenge. Now, in a different way, it's not just about hiring, but also upskilling our people and making sure that we're ready for the amount of change we're talking about. And last but not the least is the amount of compliance rules and regulations that are coming in. There are new federal regulations, state level regulations, and cybersecurity, privacy laws, and et cetera. These are some of the challenges where insurance companies should be ready to accept and quickly mitigate. And that's what we're dealing with right now. 
Yeah, great insight. So number one, increased cats due to climate change. We've got talent. And then third, compliance. Really astute. So Partha, Erie's founder, H.O. Hurt, he said, don't lose the human touch. With 74% of PNC insurers planning to increase investment in digital transformations and 80% of consumers wanting to use digital insurance experiences, according to EY, how does Erie plan on balancing digital experiences with the human touch? So one of the things I talked about earlier as part of our founding principle, it's about all in service. And the way we do that is providing the combination of the human touch with the digital aspects. So our biggest partner on this one are our agents who provide that localized human touch to our customers. Our claims people who are employees provide the human touch aspect of empathy. They provide the human touch of that emotional attachment we need to do as part of the servicing. Our goal is not to replace humans. It's more about augmenting our humans to become smarter. So when we use digital and AI and things like that, we are augmenting those technologies with the human touch to make it better and smarter so we can provide those things in a quicker way and a better way. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I'm just going to call that out because I couldn't agree more. I feel like it's almost a pivot from AI to IA, intelligence augmented and being able to have that employee supported in the right way at the right time through these experiences. So well put. I love it when you say that when people ask me, what does AI mean to you? I say, for me, AI doesn't mean artificial intelligence, but it means augmented intelligence. And it's more about how do you apply the technology to augment the human brain to become smarter? So I love that. That's amazing that we actually think and are saying the same things. Well, brilliant minds think alike. (laughs) So speaking of digital, when I think digital, I also think of data and the opportunity to collect customer data from digital processes. So I was reading Harvard Business Review and a recent study, Partha, showed that the average data accuracy rate is 97%. And we might think that's good, which it is, but this means that 3% of entries are incorrect, which can have a big impact on the quality of data later on and ultimately the decisions made based on that data. How are you addressing data quality? I think it's a great question. As you just said, 97% of the data seems to be accurate, which basically means 97 times out of 100, we're getting good data and we're speeding up the process and providing best in class experience. How do we address the three person? That's where the quality comes in. So when we partner with some of our third party vendors, there's a very stringent process looking into the data quality. And we always look for the best of breed solutions to make sure that we can look into all of our book of business and combine that with the data we're receiving to see if you're getting a good quality data. So the amount of regression and the testing and the integrity of data are managed at an extreme level. Now, today we are seeing a lot of things in the industry where everything is automated using data with artificial intelligence, machine learning, and things like that. So when you apply those things, there are two different ways to look into machine learning models. One, which what we call as supervised models. Another one is unsupervised models. When we create many of our models, those are very much a supervised model, which means there's a human doing the extra step of review to make sure the quality of the data we're getting is right. If you go to some of the websites where they may say, enter some basic information and we'll pull all the information automatically, 97% of the time they are right. But 3% of the time you may be pulling the wrong person, different car, different house, address, and et cetera. And you look at the human being to basically validate the data, which is why they ask the question, is this your car? Is that your car? So automatically the pre-fill has a quality check, which is where our independent agents play a vital role in the quality of the data input work we get. So not only we use third-party data, but we also have our partners to validate the data that comes into us. So we get more pristine data. The same model applies into our claims area and other areas. A lot of analysis and testing and regression that happens behind the scene so that we 
can prompt somebody to validate that data before it is done. Is this a challenge? Of course. And this will continue to be a challenge as the industry tries to automate it. But I think the numbers are shrinking from 97 and it is continuing to shrinking smaller and smaller as we try to get better quality of data. Makes sense. And data is essential for helping insurers, as you know, assess and prevent risk, target ideal customers, accurately price policies, conduct claims investigation, and the list continues. So Partha, how are you leveraging data in your claims initiative and what benefits have you achieved from it? There's a lot of use cases how we use data specifically in a claim side. So number one is all about estimation. When you're looking into a loss and you're trying to estimate, there's a lot of third-party data and internal data that are used to predict what would be the cost to replace something or to fix something. It could be an auto, it could be home, it could be commercial, medical injury, you name it. The next piece that goes on leveraging this data is reserving. In insurance companies, it's very important to know what is the type of reserve you're keeping it and ensuring so that you have enough money to pay out your claimants. I think that's the another piece where we use a lot of data to come back with the best-in-class reserving. The other one is claims fraud detection. Using a lot of internal and external data to come back and predict with if there is a potential fraud that's happening and really what are those claims which you need to send to the special investigative unit for you to do further drill down on potential frauds and etc. Claims payment, how their claimant wants to be paid and applying some sort of data technologies and digital technologies to provide best-in-class payout. Adjust a routing, common thing. Or adjusters are extremely busy, particularly when you have cats and etc. How do you route them at the right place so that it's more efficient? Workforce planning. We use a lot of data, the staffing model, ensuring that our staff are used in the best way and also in a balanced way. That's another one. And last but not the least, a lot of companies, including us, are also using this claims data to basically underwrite it up front. So claims is not just on the back side, on the front side too, so that you can actually predict what the potential claim could be so you can do better underwriting on the front. So all of these things can happen only when you can leverage data to do these type of use cases. Awesome. Great information. When we come back after this short break, we'll continue our conversation with Partha Srinivasa. Digging in Sure Talk with Laura Drabik? Be sure to subscribe on Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, rate the show on Apple Podcasts and let us know how we're doing. Now, let's get back to the show. And welcome back to InsureTalk. This is Laura Drabik, and I'm talking to Partha Srinivasa from Erie Insurance. So Partha, congratulations on your Claim Center Cloud Go Live earlier this year. Thank you very much. Thank you. Any input you can share with us? It is a blessing. I mean, and the entire industry is looking into cloud and trying to move from their on-prem world to the cloud world in some way or fashion. Some are still in on-prem, some are migrating to cloud, some are already there in the cloud. We were fortunate to start our cloud journey. And obviously, you know, we have we've had a very successful rollout of our Claim Center on the cloud, which has a lot of value. So when we talk about from a user perspective, when we launched it, we made sure that the impact or agents were minimal. As a matter of fact, many of our agents didn't even know there was an impact. We wanted to keep it in such a way that it's a technical upgrade, more so than a business upgrade, just to ensure that we can do this successfully without complicating with too many changes. And cloud is new for a lot of people. So our goal was to make sure that we don't have any outages. We get the better performance than what we used to get, or at least minimally the same performance, if not the better performance. And I'm proud to say that we did not even have a single outage. We have better availability now, better performance, and obviously minimal impact to our users. So I'm very proud, and it's an amazing accomplishment by our teams to get that there. That's incredible. I love how you highlighted, you know, the improved availability, stability, performance, no outages. And then you threw in there that some of the users didn't even know that there was this migration happening behind the scenes. Congratulations again. That's just exceptional. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. So Erie leverages a network of over 13,000 agents across 
across over 2,000 agencies. How did or do you incorporate agent input into your claims initiative? We are here today because of our agents. We are a relationship company and we have a very strong relationship with our agents. So the input from our agents are very critical. So when I talk about our relationship company, very rarely you will see that the executives have the connection directly with agents. And in our company, we do. We do something called annual branch meetings where we go meet our agents in person in every single branch, all the executives and the leadership team on an annual basis. And that's not just that meeting, but many other meetings that happens with our agent and they are a voice of our customers. So their input drives our roadmap. And as a matter of fact, one of the philosophy we apply is basically what we call as continuous listening. So it's not just about a point in time on an annual branch meeting, not about the quarterly task forces or an ongoing monthly meeting, but also continuous listening approach. We also do agent survey on a regular basis. It's no different than many of the customer advocacy group guidebook may have. It's just that we are a little bit more involved with our agent. We want to make sure that we listen to them on a continuous basis. And we've been doing it for the 98 years of our history. And so this is a culture embedded in every single employee. I really appreciate you sharing that concept of continuous listening. I think every company could benefit from that. So what are the key factors to consider when evaluating the success of a claims innovation initiative? Many times what happens is people get carried away by innovation with some key buzzwords, AI or chat GPT or machine learning or some buzzwords, and we don't get carried away by that. The buzzwords are important. We had to watch it and we always want to watch the, the key technology trends that are happening. But our approach for innovation is more about practical innovation. We call it as design thinking of innovation, which is more about how does that innovation impact us? What problem are we solving? And how can it be impactful from a business perspective and then apply technology to it? And that's the approach we have taken successfully for quite some time. We measure the success based on the outcome, the business value we get, rather than I have used the next buzzword. Using a next buzzword is not what I would consider innovation if it doesn't get the value we are looking for. If the value for the company is more about driving more profitability, if the value is more about growing revenue, if the value is more about driving efficiency, these are the KPIs that really impact the bottom line and that impacts our investors, our policyholders, and our customers. How do we impact them? That's how we measure our innovation. Yeah, that's really astute. And I've interviewed a number of carriers on this show and they said something very similar to you when asked about this. And that is, you got to start with the business problem and then technology serves or supports that business opportunity or problem. And I really like what you said as well about how you measure the outcome. So talking about measuring the outcome, what success factors have you achieved on your initiative? So when we talk about success factors, everyone has their own scorecards. We also have our scorecards, which are KPIs and things like that. So if you're talking about in the claims environment, then how do we provide service and are we meeting or exceeding our SLAs? The most important thing is I talked about some of the awards we were able to achieve thanks to the amazing team we have at Erie Insurance and all of our partners and agents who were primary reason for that is our JD Powers Award to be known as the number one in the industry by JD Powers for claims, right? Factory claims processing. I think that's claim satisfaction and property and being named number one or being our personal line satisfaction at the highest level from an agent satisfaction perspective. Those are something we are not only proud about, but it also puts a lot of accountability for us because now the bar is pretty high and we had to make sure that we retain it and continue to provide the type of service our customers or agents are expecting from us. The success is 
is more about what we want to achieve and what we want to retain. And I think that's the key. So I often hear that customer experience and faster time to innovation are strategic imperatives for investing in a modern cloud platform. Partha, can you share with us your strategic imperatives for moving to Guidewire Cloud? Our cloud journey and Guidewire Cloud was part of the larger journey was more about speed and agility. Number one, how can you provide more capabilities to your customer in a lot quicker way? What does that mean? You know, we'll pick your own example on that one in a cloud world is basically the marketplace vendors. There are so many marketplace vendors in the cloud environment, which makes it a seamless integration with the core system. Because one of the biggest challenge in the industry for a long time has been integration. You buy a product X and a product Y, and it takes a long time to integrate. Now, wouldn't it be cool when we have all of these things pre-integrated? So by a click of a button, it's done. I think that's powerful. And I think those are the things what we're trying to see in the new world of cloud is an ecosystem of partners. And if all the ecosystem of partners are seamlessly integrated by a click of a button, it'll be perfect. And cloud can provide that capability because of the common way of doing things. So when I talk about speed and agility, that's what it provides. The other value it provides is scalability, performance, availability. You can provide capacity more quickly as the company is growing. Blue-green deployment, which basically provides better availability. You can deploy your changes to the production more quickly without impacting existing production systems. Things like how can we provide continuous integration and deployment so seamlessly continue to deploy more capabilities in a more incremental fashion. So speed, agility, availability, performance, scalability, easy to integrate. Cloud can provide us a foundational capability. There is still work to be done to make sure all of those things are readily available so we can quickly use it. That's the work currently in progress. But I'm, I'm very proud that we're going in the right direction from a cloud perspective. Makes sense. And also, Partha, I like how you took my question and you brought it up a level to cloud in general. So let's continue on with that theme. Any words of advice to share with your fellow carriers looking to migrate, not just to Guidewire Cloud, but to cloud in general? So one of the things I will tell you, we call cloud more of a business transformation because it is not just about a technology way of doing things. It's about how the organization changes more from a people, process, technology, and there is a huge amount of organizational change that needs to happen as part of that. And I think having a sponsorship at a CEO level and a board level is very important because it's a new way of doing things. If somebody is doing this as an IT initiative, the first would be to let's take it one level up, make sure that we have the buy-in from all of the parties. Second one, doesn't matter which vendor you pick and doesn't matter which approach of cloud you take, be it infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, or a software as a service, when we try to implement it with the existing process, will not do a great job. You have to relook into it because your existing on-prem processes is not going to work for cloud. You had to be more nimble, more had to be more quick. You had to be different in doing things. So there's a significant organizational change from a process perspective that needs to be done. Third one also on the people side. Cloud has a different skill set needs. So there's an upskilling of talent. There are so many different certification programs available and upskilling your talent because if you implement cloud the old legacy way, you're not going to get the best value out of it. And then a mindset change is the most important thing. It's a cultural change in an organization. And I'll give you a simple example when we just talked about previously on the cloud guideware one is that there might be a bunch of marketplace vendors with whom we can easily integrate. And sometimes we may tend to use existing architectural approach to do it. So we're not getting the maximum bang for the buck if we can easily integrate it and we may have complicated the architecture. So the mindset shift is important too. Last but not the least, cloud also comes with a lot of accountability from a risk and security perspective. Your existing security posture, how you manage security, privacy, and all that need to be upgraded because now you're going into a different type of a model. Cloud is, yes, secured, but it also comes with a level of accountability for us. So we got to make sure that we keep an eye from security, compliance, privacy, and the way how you're going to structure it from that perspective. And that's a big change for us too. Great. Thanks, Partha. On the other side of this break, we'll continue the conversation. So don't go 
go anywhere. Loving InsureTalk with Laura Drabic? For more expert insights and inspiration, subscribe to Laura's email newsletter at drabicdigest.com, your one-stop resource for Laura's latest blog posts, videos, podcasts, articles, and more. That's www.drabicdigest.com. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome back. This is Insure Talk with Laura Drabic, where we're talking with Partha Srinivasa. Generative AI is a type of artificial intelligence that generates entirely new content, including text, audio, images, video, code, and data. In Gartner's latest poll of their insurance executives, 70% of carriers are currently in exploration mode of generative AI. So Partha, what are your thoughts on the application of Gen AI in our industry, and how are you exploring? exploring the use of this technology at Erie. AI is here to stay. Gen AI is a subset of it, and it brings additional value. And it also comes with a lot of responsibility. And it is new. So right now, like many other companies, we are in the discovery and the exploration mode, trying to learn more about what it can do. Theoretically, we all know there is a lot of value it can provide, be it on the underwriting side, claims, efficiency, and et cetera. But there's more work to be done. And more importantly, the amount of risk it brings to us, more from security, privacy, IP, and whatnot. But I think we're very closely watching it. So based on your background, what is your position or thoughts on data governance with Gen AI? I call it a spirit of the company. The word spirit comes with the sixth letter. S is for security. When we talk about any AI technology, including Gen AI, there's a lot of data which has been used to train these models. Every company has a responsibility to keep the data secure. P, privacy. Each of these models are using a lot of information and some could be very much private data. And we had to be very careful about how the data has been used from a governance perspective. Third one is impartial. There's a lot of discussion in the industry about bias. How do you use the data so that we don't have bias by gender, by religion, by location, or by color? That's why regulators are really working hard coming up with new laws so we don't have bias in our data. So that's impartial. The next one is our reliability. Ensuring the reliability of the data is a very critical aspect because you have the responsibility to make sure that the data is properly maintained and it's up to date. The next one, I, is for integrity. Don't need to explain that. And last but not the least, the T is about transparency. So when we talk about AI models, including Gen AI and et cetera, we have to be transparent on how you arrived at an answer. Predictive modeling is good, but you got to know sometimes that prediction should also have the root of how the prediction was done. It's extremely critical when we talk about insurance companies to keep an eye on their data governance. It's about security. It's about privacy, it's about usage rights, and it's about all the themes I just talked about with the spirit. I like that spirit of the company and what a great way to remember it based upon the word spirit. Okay, I'm going to switch gears here. I noticed on LinkedIn that you apparently love sports, not just one sport, but you seem engaged in a lot of sports. What have you learned from sports in general that can be applied to your career? I use sport as a mechanism to learn a lot of things. And one thing where I always say is that I'm a lifelong learner and every sport gives you different ways of doing things. Some are better for your upper body, some are better for your lower body, some are good for eyes, some for legs, some of them for your brain. And each one of them are cultivating something in your body to be smarter and learn something. Very similarly is what I have learned in my industry. It's also that, you know, there's a lot to learn in the insurance industry, in the technology space. And as long as we can continue to feed our brain with new stuff, I think that will be very valuable for you as a person and also for the community. Talking about sports, that's my fun thing is that I don't have a specific sport I love because I love every sport, be it cricket, be it baseball, be it football, or even extreme sports. And I just love it because it gives you the adrenaline rush and you can learn from that. 
Partha, thank you very much for your time today and for your incredible insight. You've showed us it's not just about ideas, it's about making ideas happen. Thank you very much, Laura, for giving me an opportunity to join you today. Tune in next time for an all-new episode of Insure Talk with Laura Dravik, brought to you by Guidewire, the platform PNC insurers trust to engage, innovate, and grow efficiently. For more information, visit guidewire.com.